This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Bob, do you have anything to say with Rose going out? Is Amy Pilot here right now? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the Amy Pilot moment. (laughs) Because I need her to walk off this podcast. What the fuck just happened? (laughs) Are we fucking kidding right now? Since the TARDIS first appeared on telly screens on November 23, 1963, the Doctor has had dozens of companions, typically ordinary humans who joined the time-traveling alien on wild, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes scary adventures. With Doctor Who poised to celebrate its 60th anniversary this fall, and the show about to get a massive revamp courtesy of returning showrunner Russell T. Davies, returning Doctor David Tennant, and new Doctor Shudi Gatwa, there's no better time or space, for the great pop culture debate to determine the best Doctor Who companion. Captain Jack Harkness may one day be the face of Bo, but I'm currently the face of Ho. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my panelists for this episode. We think our next panelist is Bob Erlenbach, but he won't take off his gas mask. Bob, is that you? Eric, are you my mummy? I've never had a sugar mummy. If I wanted a sugar mummy, I could probably go and get one. Next, we go together like fish fingers and custard. It's Kara Austin. A timeless classic, to be sure. Mm. Well, new mouth, new rules. I say that to all my prey. And finally, some people call him daddy or sir, but you can just call him master. It's Michael Schwartz. Hey, Eric. I'm just hoping in my next regeneration, you can call me Missy. Mm. You're my secret favorite. Don't tell the others. <laughs> and joining us from inside the TARDIS is producer Curtis Creekmore. And just like the TARDIS, parts of Curtis are bigger on the inside. In the interest of time, and the doctor is always interested in time, we're going to skip the preamble, which you can now find in bonus episodes on our feed. But do head to Great Pop culturedebate.com and find the listener bracket for this episode so you can play along with us at home. With that being said, uh, that's all out of the way. We're going to move on to these debates. Lead on. Allons-y. First up, it's a unanimous victory for ultimate number one seed Rose Tyler, who had nothing to fear from four seed Joe Grant. Bad wolf. Next three quarters of the panel want to stay hitched to three seed River Song. Hello, sweetie. But Michael prefers the boy who waited to seed Rory Williams. Michael, stand as fast as the last centurion and defend Rory. Bob, don't worry about spoilers. Tell us why we should let the river run. I'll let Michael go first. Rory is just like, he is, the doctor is the brains. Amy Pond is the center of that whole thing. But Rory is the heart of the relationship without Rory. I don't know that it would be nearly as dynamic of a companion pair that you would get with anyone. And you ask anybody that they, they love this. Amy Pond and Rory are they're They're synonymous. And I'm glad they were in separate brackets so that I could at least vote for both of them and move forward. But this is like the, the heart that does he, Rory is will follow Amy anywhere. We'll follow her th- across time, across space. He comes to this like understanding relationship that he has with the doctor. Um, and like you said, the last centurion, he literally waits for Amy at that tomb for as the last centurion in there. So I think that it would be remiss of us to not at least discuss how important Rory has been all the way up to the end. And like, that is like, Rory is the reason that Amy leaves the doctor. She just can't, when, when angels take Manhattan, he, that's the reason they move on. It's because like Rory gets caught by the angels taken back in time, but Amy can't, has to make that choice. And she chooses Rory in the end. And I think that just continues to speak to that level of the relationship, the importance that they have. It doesn't work if Rory's not there. I don't think that Matt Smith would have been as successful as a doctor if he didn't have Arthur Deverell there playing that role, playing that thing and adding that heart and that love that comes from Rory into that entire arc. Kara, you were going to say something about Rory? 
I was going to say that, like, I agree with everything that Michael's saying. And I remember when Rory was first introduced, I feel like, you know, we had this, like, boyfriend-fiance character introduced that first episode. And that could have really gone a boring, wet blanket way. And I remember being very, and still I'm very impressed with the way they turned his story around. And, you know, he wasn't just, he, you know, he wasn't just a sad Charlie Brown walking, you know, with the piano music all the time. He came into his own. And so I think Rory is a very good character. I'm not switching my vote. Um, I still stand with River Song. Bob? So this is where I make my River Song argument. I would love for you to make a River Song argument. Um, I agree with everything that everyone has said about Rory. Rory is awesome. And what I love about Rory is he could have easily just been the tag along from the very beginning of his introduction. They end up giving him a really great story arc and multiple story arcs over time, the centurion all the way up to the angels, that whole, that whole piece. So he, he really is great, but river song is more integral, more important, more critical to the overall story of Dr. Who beyond just Matt Smith. Um, it goes to David Tennant. It goes beyond, it goes on to Peter Capaldi, right? Um, she is the ultimate companion because she is his wife from the, from the jump. She's just so interesting and mysterious and you really don't know. It's a really cool conceit as it pertaining to her with regards to they're operating on backwards timelines, right? He's going forward. She's going backwards. I think that's right. I don't think it's the other way where they're meeting at different points where one knows things about the other that they don't know have happened yet. Right. And it's just a really fun exchange that you peel back these layers over time. And not to mention the fact sister is doing it for herself. She has so much agency. She is so like, she, she takes care of herself. She gets herself out of binds. She, when they introduce reintroduce her in the 11th, uh, excuse me, in the time of angels, I think was the reintroduction and she escapes from prison classic like her sailing through space into the TARDIS but I I just think she's just so critical overall yeah I I I agree with everything Mike said about Rory he is amazing I'm not going to switch my vote here um I think that is three for River one for Rory it is not in any way a disparagement of Rory we love him but we're going to move River Song on to round two next it's another unanimous decision for one seed Amy Pond who demoted four seed Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart next the majority of the panel wants to keep chronicling the adventures of two seed Sarah Jane Smith but I'm the lone holdout who doesn't want to put the lid on three seed Bill Potts I know I won't win here but i wanted to at least say a few words on bill so uh that's okay just let me get this out of the way and then we can advance sarah jane who should absolutely advance here let me be very clear about that but um bill Potts, played by pro mackie is one of the most tragic who companions in my opinion and i'm afraid she's been largely forgotten by the fandom like of the modern who companions i never hear her mentioned like ever that's partially because bill was essentially an interim companion she came in at the end of the 12th doctor's run following the end of the clara arc and up to 12's regeneration she's notable for being i believe someone fact checked me on this the only the second non-white companion and the first lgbt companion bill was also just a fucking delight she was a breath of fresh air after the incredibly dark final clara stories she immediately brightened up the series and brought a spark back to the doctor and we really needed it because it was a grind at the end of that capaldi era unfortunately it all ended very badly indeed as bill ends up shot turned into a cyberman and then ultimately her lesbian lover who i believe somehow turned into some water alien it's a little weird for me i can't remember i haven't watched it in years extracted her soul from the cyberman suit and the two of them went off to explore the universe together i guess that's lovely in the abstract but it was absolutely brutal in the moment that it all happened i remember watching the episode where you realize the cyberman is bill and i was like no like what are you doing but all that being said i think bill's lovely um, I wanted to speak on her, but Sarah Jane should move forward here. I'm going to guess I get no objections. All right, so we will be advancing Sarah Jane Smith into round two. Next, it's another unanimous decision for one seed Donna Noble, who asserted our most recent companion, four seed Yasmin Khan from 13's run. The panel is evenly split between two seed Clara Oswald and three seed K9. Michael, why do you find the impossible girl impossible to resist? Kara, why do you continue to give K9 your affirmatives? And I'm going to have Kara go first. When K9's not on screen, Doctor Who wants everybody to ask, Where's Canine? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> affirmative. Um, affirmative. Um, canine, canine is just a part of a very like unique 
time within Doctor Who, because I mean, Canine comes in a lot of, you know, like the time with Tom Baker and Sarah Jane. And it's, this, you know, it's that kind of like weird gimmick. You know, it is the weird gimmicky ad to a show. Like, let's give them a robot dog, you know, a tin dog, because that'll, that'll be cool. The kids will like that. We can make toys. And really with that, when you start, like, you know, if you start thinking of the iconography of Doctor Who, you get to the TARDIS, you get to a Sonic Canines, like, three or four for a character that really hasn't been in it that much. And then every time they wrote something out, wrote something in where Canine would have to be sacrificed or destroyed or whatever, they brought him back because the public demanded it. <laughs> and of all of the companions, you know, going along with with Sarah Jane, gets his own spinoff, too. I True. Because he's with, yeah. So I think, it, you know, it's this quirky weird little character everybody you know man's best friend doctor's best friend in the you know again the cute little voice you know terrible like terribly designed for getting around the universe there's sometimes <laughs> where he had to completely sit out of the adventure because it's like whoops sand can't do it uh, <laughs> but i think it makes it it makes him lovable and it's you know it's it's the weird the weird part of doctor who it's that embracement embracing of making you know making do with what you have budget and materials wise too but i think he's just you know a classic embodiment of the weirdness of doctor who and that's why i love him yeah and doctor who really is about making the most with what you have isn't it so canine is true to the spirit of the show michael talk to us about clara so this pairing was a challenge for me as to which way we would we would vote on it so i eventually went with clara on this one more for what I thought Canine wasn't versus what Clara actually is. You know, Clara is a critical component of the Impossible Girl. We get that whole storyline she crosses. She's the transition between the two doctors for us in the end. She is part of that storyline that like transitions between the two doctors. Um, she is a critical part of the canon in the end. Um, it, it, you take her out and you get a lot of things falling apart. That doesn't happen as much with K-9, I think. Still, again, a great character, provides comic relief at the right times. You know, it's, it, it's the embodiment of the early Doctor Who ethos is you do with what you got kind of thing um, that Kara was talking about. But in the end, I thought that Clara was more critical to storyline, yeah, and I think she, correct me if I'm wrong, again, it's been, I, I haven't watched these since I watched them air originally. In the 50th anniversary special, isn't it essentially she's retconned into basically every other doctor's timeline to make sure they need, they get to where they need to go? So she is like right. literally everything, everywhere, all at like once. once. Like and she's the one that directs the first doctor to the TARDIS. They have two very different jobs in the Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. And it, it really Their is an Akron Origins comparison. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, Bob, where are you on this one? I know the answer, but I, I'm excited to hear you shit all over Clara Oswald. <laughs> I, I'm going to go on. I don't know if I'm going to be controversial. I just can't stand the character. And I don't, I don't want to speak ill of anyone. I'm not sure if it's a phenomenon of the actress. I don't have a personal hatred towards her, I don't think. But like, there's just something about her performance in this role that just does not resonate with me. There are so many times that I feel as though she's more or less phoning in her performance. And so many times, I, from a writing perspective, she I just don't find her very interesting that I don't know as though she's always there for a very good purpose. I know that she has until you, honestly, Michael, until you just said the impossible girl had completely forgotten that, that was even, a, was even a thing about her. Like I was like, souffle Oh, okay. girl. I'm like, oh, I, oh, that's right. Souffle girl. I mean, I guess that's interesting. I didn't love that. They kind of just kind of retconned her into the history of, I, I I don't know what it is. I didn't like that either. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah. I like, really, and I don't like that in general on things. It's, it's very lazy. I, maybe this is it for me. It's very much. They tried to make fetch happen with her and it just didn't happen. Canine is so fun. He's interesting. He's very unique to what we have on this bracket. There's nothing else right. like him. He adds mm -hmm. a certain element of comedy that Clara certainly doesn't add. I feel like there are so many other humanoid companions on this bracket, like Amy, like River, like um, Rose, Canine, who's more interesting, more fun, more unique and different from every other companion we have on this bracket. We don't have anything else like him. We need to bring him forward. 
So my argument to that is, so Clara is divisive. Clara is divisive in the fandom. She was from when she started. And I don't know if part of that was because Amy Pond was universally beloved Mm -hmm. and people immediately were just like, I did not ask for this. (laughs) But I I like Jenna Coleman as an actress. I've seen Jenna Coleman in many other things. Mm -hmm. I think she's actually quite good. I think the character was written to be a little bit, I'm trying to look, she's not easy to get along with. Like she's, she's constantly kind of in the doctor's, like she's either flirting way too hard or kind of like pissing him off like almost deliberately there's something slightly antagonistic about her and so i think maybe she wasn't as cuddly as amy pond and like almost immediately was one of the things that pissed me off most about her as a character is when she said oh it's smaller on the outside no i'm sorry that's not how this goes smaller on the outside (laughs) is not how this goes it is bigger on the inside that's exactly that in that moment it exactly defined the relationship between clara and the doctor i actually think that was very smart writing because she's going to be a contrarian from the minute she walks out you know that she's not just going to go along with it she's going to be like why you know what i mean well, I like that about her. Mm. I think I think with Clara too, and it's just it's a new a new who phenomenon too. Is that the writers are always trying to outdo how special this companion is, and they always uh, have to have a like a really Stephen Moffat cook. particularly. Yes, at a certain point, Stephen Moffat needed to stop, and he didn't. But I, I, and I, I think it, it, like with Cl- Clara, like there's sometimes was like rehashing old tropes and just like I don't know, like the, and then the retconning. I wasn't a big fan of. And again, I, I agree with you. It's not Jenna Coleman; it's the character. But I, I think you know, I think we need. I, I'm still you know, and I defended him canine, but I think we don't have a good representation of that in this bracket overall. The, the little more lighthearted and the simpler old you know old, old who times i am all for getting old, old who classic who we're going to call it because we don't want to be ageist classic who as far as i can into the bracket but in this particular case i i am going to disagree that clara is just like a carbon copy of the other new who companions i think she She's brings not. something the fact oh i'm that, sorry not a carbon copy but like they but just kept similar kind of outdo itself yeah like, like or, different yes variation on the variation on the theme right um but the fact that we've spent like five plus minutes now debating her to me says that she actually does bring something very interesting to the, the canon. So um, th- we're tied. I don't see anyone changing their vote here. And it is Clara is a two seed and canine is a three seed, which means Clara will advance. I'm sorry. You all can um, ha- hate at me, but you can get rid of her next round. Exactly. Next to the major- <laughs> exactly. Next, the majority of the panel continues to hold a torch for one seed Captain Jack Harkness. But I hope to regenerate some interest in the Doctor's Gallifreyan gal pal romana too a four seed bob why can captain jack continue to get you high tonight i'll explain why i'm feeling the womana that is romana um i will go first because i don't think i'm going to sway anybody here and i'm completely fine with that um my main thing is as we kind of alluded to before i don't consider captain jack to be a canonical companion in the same way as season-long companions Jack's there through many episodes of the Russell T. Davies run, and obviously he gets a spinoff in Torchwood, and he's had a lot of success in that. Um, But I don't see him as one of the, like, quote-unquote true companions. Romana, I do, um, and also it's a classic Who person. She also brings something completely different from basically any other companion on this list, which is that she's Gallifreyan, and she's assigned to the Doctor by the White Guardian to find the key of time. That is all science fiction jargon for the boss wanted someone to keep tabs on this crazy guy. She provided a unique foil to the Doctor as she herself was Gallifreyan and, while not an equal, on a more level playing field than most of the starry-eyed Earthlings wherever were. She even gets to use her own sonic screwdriver more than once. She is also, I believe, the only companion to properly regenerate on the show, as we had Romana 1, played by Mary Tam, and then Romana 2, played by Lala Ward, up through 1981, and she is subsequently regenerated again in the audio plays where she is voiced by Juliet Landau, a.k.a. Drusilla from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that does make her unique in the Doctor Who universe in terms of companions. But that being said, I know I'm not going to switch anyone. Michael, or excuse me, Bob, before I have you do your Captain Jack. Kara, you're sticking with Captain Jack? 100% my captain, my captain. Yes, I figured you were. Michael, you'd stick him with Captain Jack? I'm sticking it in, Captain Jack. Amen to that. And then Bob? Um, Double pen? I I don't know. Um, So, yes, I'm keeping with with Captain Jack. I'll just watch. It's fine. (laughs) I think it is so charming that you think that Captain Jack has not experienced double penetration at least once in his life. I had my picture taken with him at Comic-Con. He smells amazing. (laughs) I... 
That's have, the type of I, content you'd come to the great pop culture debate for. So finally in round one, it's tens across the board as regular companion Martha Jones, a two seed, currently has the votes to advance over sometimes companion Wilfred Mott, a three seed. Kara, why is Mott the boss applesauce? Bob, explain why your feelings about Martha aren't complicated at all. I'm going to have Bob go first since he didn't get to go last round. Go for it, Bob. Martha is important to um, Doctor Who because I think she plays a pretty um, significant and, and important role to Doctor Who overall. She's involved in events of um, with the Tenth Doctor's regeneration, the Master's story arc. She has, um, you know, in the series finale in 2007, uh, the Last of the Time Lords. Her contributions to the show um, narrative make her pretty pivotal in those in those cases. Um, she is um, a diverse companion for us um, as a person of color, so I think that's a really um, cool thing. You know, that's not. There aren't many of those. They're not the, they're not very um, prevalent in Doctor Who overall. So I, um, she's very intelligent, resourceful. I believe she's a doctor, correct? She's, yes. She's an actual physician. She's yes. an actual um, doctor. Um, you know, I think she's very independent. She's she's very funny. She's a, she's a great companion to to David Tennant. Um, you know, very kind of brother sisterly with regards to that. Um, so I. I I think those are some of the reasons why I think I love Wilfred. I just, for me, I don't see it's kind of the Martha was a series long companion. And I think Wilfred to me, he does absolutely fall in the category of the recurring, not necessarily um, the um, companion category. So that's really where I am with Martha. Well then on that note, Kara, tell us about Wilfred. Wilf is every Whovian's beloved granddad <laughs> in having him with, Donna, Catherine Tate, Stana, she, you know, and in her introduction into the series, she's very brash and loud and confused and this and that. And he's just so kind and quiet and joyous. And he's, he's also a foil for um, Donna's mother, Sylvia. I can't remember. Yeah. But she's terrible. She's so mean to Donna and Wilfred is just like, so proud of his granddaughter. So supportive he, you know, his part, like, he's just got a very warm and lovely personality. But on the other side of that, as we see, as we go through more episodes where he interacts with Tenant's Doctor more, as bright and and warm-hearted as he is, he's one of the characters who's also seen, you know, he, I think he believed he served, but he lived through World War II. And you have that instance in the episode Turn Left, when um, the Donna's neighbors are getting, the immigrant housemates are being deported. And he's like, uh, and they're going to labor camps. He's like, that's what they called them last time. And I get chills, like just thinking about that moment. So he's someone who, despite everything he's seen, believes in goodness, believes in hope and, you know, wants to see the best of the universe, the best of the doctor, the best for his granddaughter. And there's also that moment towards the end of Tenet's run where he, you know, he and Wilfred and uh, the 10th doctor kind of talk about what is, you know, the impact of having a really long life as a time Lord and all the things you see, even though they're, they're you know, Wilfred's older, but certainly not as old as the doctor. Um, and there's a really touching moment where the doctor says he would be proud if Wilfred was his dad. I totally get it. He's, he's very, um, he, you're right. He's the B-Paw everyone wants. Right. And we don't mm -hmm. have another one of those that I can think of in who, uh, Michael. And good comedy timing too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like when he had the, the antlers on, take those off. I shan't. It's Christmas. He's also <laughs> involved in Ten's demise. Correct. Like mm -hmm. unwittingly, there's that really horrible yeah. moment where he realizes he's actually the reason that Ten gets yeah it's again it's been so long michael where are you on this one i i'm sticking with martha just for the argument that like i love like, same thing i love wilford as a character but he's not a companion um yeah i'm gonna stick with martha here too and i will say that um martha was not well received by the fandom mm -hmm. um martha was a very complicated character i do think now we can probably say without question a lot of that was due to racism absolutely in a, like and I don't think it that like maybe at the time we were kind of saying it, but now like we're out and out saying it. Um, Freema Agamon, who played Martha, is amazing and has gone Incredible. on to do great work yes. in so many other things, uh, Sensate notably. Um, but I think Martha got a raw deal and she was only in one series and out. I don't blame her. I have to give it to Martha overall for, for her contributions. Um, that's three for Martha, one for Wilf. So Martha will continue into round two. And that is it for the end of round one. We're going to take a quick break so we can get away from the Daleks just by climbing some stairs. We'll be right back after these messages. Exterminate! 
And we are back for round two of our best Doctor Who companion debate. Before we get into the Elite Eight, I want our panelists to share their social media and also let us know when you became a Whovian. I'm going to start with Bob. Okay, you can find me at DisnerdBob on um, Instagram, Twitter, this new thing called Threads that's out there. You can find me there. Um, Did I say Mastodon? Mastodon? Mastodon as well. Uh, at Disnerd Bob. So that's where you can find me and you can yell at me um, for any of the decisions that I've made during this episode. And for getting into who it was probably 2013, 2012, somewhere around that time frame, um, where I don't know why you and I actually, Eric, were having a conversation over text and you had suggested it or, or said something. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I started with, um, with um, Christopher Eccleston and Rose and, and Billy Piper and never turned back. And, and as janky as some of that early stuff is <laughs> like the mannequins from i stuck with it oh, after the mannequins, mannequins everyone i stuck with it Kara, how can people find you and when did you become a whovian um on most social at c-m-y-k-a-r-a c-m-y-kara um instagram threads everything else um you can also find my little free library on instagram at uh, neighborhood trolley lfl which is uh, public and far more active. And Love I got it. into Doctor Who uh, through my husband, then boyfriend. He grew up watching the late night um, showings of The Sixth Doctor on our local PBS station. So when it uh, re-premiered in 2005, sat me down to watch the Mannequins episode. And I was like, what the fuck are we watching? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good like partway through Tenet's run that I finally like found my groove with it. And then by the time 11th hit, I was in love. I have a 11th Doctor sonic screwdriver tattoo so indeed she does i can i can confirm michael schwartz uh where can people find you and also when did you become whovian so uh you can find me pretty much just on instagram at uh therax t-h-e-r-a-x 329 there feel free to flame away on any of the decisions that i make uh because i know i'm right and you're wrong um when it comes down to it um but I, as the elder statesman of the group here, I started with Doctor Who in the mid-80s, and I started, actually, my doctor is Tom Baker, the fourth doctor. He's the one that I first found on PBS watching the reruns that were there, because he was over by the time I started watching, because he finished up in 81. Um, But I got hooked on him. I went back and watched as many episodes before I watched episodes after, after. then when the reboot came along, um, it was nerdtastic orgasms all over the place for me um, with Christopher Eccleston coming along and uh, really just rebooting this and giving this a whole new life that has done my little nerd heart good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and so for me, you can find me at, at Eric Resniak. That's E-R-I-C-R-E-Z as in zebra, S as in snake, N as in Nancy, Y-A-K, Twitter, Instagram. I think I'm on threads. I don't know. Or really, you should just message the at Great Pop Culture Debate account on Instagram, on threads, or at GPCD on Mastodon. We're pretty, um, we're pretty active over on Mastodon. I officially came to who during the 10th doctor's run uh kara austin and her bed friends kind of looped me in to their sunday evening viewings i think it was sunday evening viewings maybe it was friday i don't know it's whenever we could download the uh episode from uh the uk completely totally legally totally legally downloading downloading sent by the queen herself as a personal favor exactly um but that being said i do distinctly remember watching baker episodes on the television during the 80s on the weekends like it would just randomly be on some channel and i always remember thinking they were very strange and not understanding what was going on but it was very interesting so i have an affinity for the campiness and the and the um grittiness but not in like a dark way of of classic who so let's move on to round two before the bad wolf catches up to us first another unanimous vote for one seed rose tyler who in a battle of the brides of the doctor spoilers emerged triumphant over three seed river song but we haven't actually talked about rose yet so i'd like michael to share uh, briefly his reasons for why he voted for rose here and just in general she's the original badass of the new 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 who kind of stuff like uh billy piper playing rose tyler really just sets the tone for what the companions are going to be like and uh how what they're going to be capable of in the new who verse that we have going on here um She's a, she's a girl from the 
from the from the council of housing you know she was she's poor she's not well mannered she but she is smart as a whip and she keeps the doctor in his place questioning him pushing him really uh, the, we get her in series one two and four you know we take a little break from her for martha jones in between there but then she comes back uh she crosses universes she crosses dimensions and alternate realities and she is she wants to she wants this but she doesn't want it you know we have her relationship with the doctor but she's also fighting this relationship that she had with mickey you know going on who's comes to this foil for them as well and I think everybody who grew up more in the the new Who versus the classic Who really compare a lot of their companions to what was Rose like and how do they measure up to Rose? Yeah, I agree with that. I think she is the the metric which all modern companions are kind of measured. Uh, so thank you for that, Michael. Next, in a classic Who versus new Who smackdown, the panel is split between one seed Amy Pond and two seed Sarah Jane Smith. Michael, I know you have genuine love and admiration for Sarah Jane, so please defend this cherished character. Bob, I know you have genuine love and admiration for Amy Pond, so she's all yours. Well, all yours and Rory's. I'm going to have Bob go first. All right. So Amy Pond, it it's a tough choice between these two. I could see either one going forward. I think they're both very integral and important to the story. For me, Amy is very much an entry point as a companion for Doctor Who. She kind of, for me, represents kind of us in that in that relationship um, with the new Doctor. She has this really fun backstory that introduces us in the 11th hour where he really the doctor meets her when she's a child um, and she's got a crack in her wall and she, you know, is think I think it's Santa that she's talking to her or she's just praying to God. I'm not sure which, which it was at that time. I can't remember, but you know, the TARDIS crashes in her garden. And as a little girl, she goes out there and there's this fantastic man, this, this, um, what does she call him? The raggedy doctor crashes into her garden. And then he leaves her, says, I'll be back in five minutes. And he comes back. He's like, I'm back. And oh, she's grown up now. Um, and it's just a really fun introduction to Matt Smith as a character, as her as a character. She has, you know, she's a lot of fun. She's got a great comedy. She's amazingly portrayed by um, Karen Gillan. You know, an introduction to her as an actress to us. Um, and just her relationship to, to the doctor is just really interesting um, because she initially, like, obviously she has this relationship at home with Rory, but she's going off into the TARDIS with um, with the doctor and is always like, oh, I have to go back and get married. I have to go back and get married. I have to go back and get married. But she's obviously, in, you know, just enamored or infatuated or just obsessed with this raggedy doctor from her childhood, this imaginary friend that came back. Um, you know, it's just a really fun story for her. And, and Sarah Jane, you know, is the classic companion that, you know, everyone remembers, everyone knows. And she, she had her own spinoff series and, you know, she was with the doctor for so long, you know, they're just both great companions for very different reasons. For me, I just love the portrayal of Amy Pond by Karen Gillan. I love the story that first season with, with Matt Smith um, from Stephen Moffat, that first season for me is just so much fun. And the callbacks throughout that season, it just, it's everything about that season is great. And she's, she's great in it as well. So that's where I am with Amy Pond. All right, Michael, talk to us about Sarah Jane Smith. So if we go back to what I was saying about Rose Tyler, where Rose is kind of the touchstone that you compare all the new Who companions to, Sarah Jane is who you compare all the companions to. Whether you're talking classic or new Who, Sarah Jane, and I think Kara said this before, she's the first character that really becomes a co-star to the doctor and she last she's all she's with tom baker her entire run she runs for 80 episodes with him for it she was around for a very long time for him um and then when they reboot who in 2005 there she gets her own series in 2007 that runs for two years i think three maybe i forget but sarah jane is and then she comes back for some additional doctor who episodes in the new who verse kind of thing. She is smart. She's an investigative journalist. She has a point of view and she wants to make sure that the entire world sees it. And she never, she's, she never gives up. She never acquiesces in any way, shape or form. She will put herself in danger to get to the answer, to make things right in the end. 
she's also the only representative that I think of classic who that deserves to continue to make it towards the end in this for us. You know, we have, this is the representation that is needed to have an argument about classic who new who, how do they compare? How do they pass? Especially for fans out there that have been with this for the beginning, you really need this representation here. Yeah. I think that those are all great points. Kara, where are you on this one? Uh, I'm, I love Amy and I love her as a character. And um, I just started showing Doctor Who to my soon to be eight year old. And we started with the 11th hour because I think she's eight years old. He's eight, you know, eight years old. It's that was such a special moment. But I think of her, especially if we're looking at where these characters uh, fit in in the larger universe, um, it's Sarah Jane. Um, because I th- everything that's been said already, but also like she's also this connection between the new and the old. Her chemistry on screen with all the doctors, especially Pertwee and Baker, um, is again that's what brought her up, the companion up to that that, that co star level. And I, I really, I really do. I think she is the ruler that all other um, companions are measured against. So I say that with all the love for Amy Pond and Same. and <laughs> her adventures, but I think in the greater scheme of things, it's Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah. Um, I'm brokenhearted because I adore Amy. I think of the modern ones, I, I actually, it's Amy tied with one other and it's not Rose for me um, in terms of my favorites. But if we're looking at who as an overarching fandom, as an overarching property, Amy's notable because a, I think the first at least few years of her run are impeccable. They're top tier who pretty much consistently. It's also, and someone can correct me on this. I believe the most popular the show has ever been period internationally. She, Matt Smith became superstars because of their roles on this show. And both of them are still working at very high levels in Hollywood today. Um, I think I, I, I love this character, but if we're talking about who's more critical and a better companion, it's Sarah Jane for me. So um, we will be advancing Sarah Jane into the final four. Next, we're going to wrap up round two with two more unanimous decisions as Donna, excuse me, as Donna Noble, a one seed, advances over Clara Oswald, a two seed, and one seed Captain Jack Harkness is a advancing over Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. (laughs) But you know what? He would advance over her. Absolutely. Also, where where is the Martha Stewart companion episode? I want to see the cooking show with Jack Harkness and Martha Stewart. (laughs) Absolutely. It's going to be filthy. And by the way, we're leaving this in, editor. We're not cutting this out. Uh, Eggplant on the menu again. (laughs) (laughs) Every day. And you don't want to see what they're eating for dessert. So, one seed Captain Jack Harkness over two seed Martha Jones. But again, we have not really talked about Donna or Captain Jack. So I'd like Kara to speak on Captain Jack briefly. And I'm going to chime in on what makes Donna Noble so damn special. Kara, do you mind talking to us a little bit about why you love Captain Jack? Captain Jack fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I, uh, Jack Harkness is... He's going to give you more than the tip. Just... Yeah, he he will. Uh, yeah, he, mm, oh wow, speechless. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, Captain Jack is such a fun character and an important character, and fun in like the way he comes. So he comes in during the two arc episode with the "Are you my mummy?" Um, that World War Two era uh, London bombing thing, and he comes in as this really like if you look at like um, movies and TVs about that era, there's always that like flashy, charismatic American soldier, and you know, and you. I remember thinking like, this is going to be like a one-time deal, but then there's all this kind of unravels about him. And, but, but those main things about him are still true. Like he is this charismatic, suave, sweet talking, can't help, but kind of fall for this guy character who go, you know, and when we talk about the impact, and again, I can see where the argument made, is he a companion? Is he a reoccurring character? But I mean, of all of them, he gets the biggest uh spin-off series of anybody on this show that he gets to go run with he's the first uh queer character on dot you know in doctor who on the screen 
Um, and he's got every, you know, he's, he's also a lot of comic relief. I can't think of the episode it is, but when he's getting changed, like, uh, redressed by those robots and like, he gets to, like, down, I mean, I don't think it takes a lot to talk, um, John Barrowman out of his clothes. I was going to say the really episode where he now. takes his clothes off. Like, I'm like, Oh, yeah. what's happening here? I'm, I'm yeah, not paying like, attention. <laughs> yes. Oh, hello. What's how? Yeah. And he like, it's, it's a, 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 an actor just devouring a role and being born into it. And I think he's just so much fun. And then again, just create, it creates essentially a whole world around this character that goes off into its own series. Yeah, he's, he's great. There's no question. I want to talk a little bit about Donna Noble, both of which, by the way, Captain Jack and Donna are advancing to the final four. I just want to make sure we're not dismissing them without discussing them. So Donna is interesting to me. She's played by Catherine Tate. She's initially introduced in a Christmas episode, correct? Mm-hmm. I believe it's a Christmas episode. And I actually hated her <laughs> in that episode. Yep. I hated she was obnoxious. She's abrasive. She's so abrasive in that episode. And when I heard that they were bringing her back as a full-time companion, I was like, oh, God, it's going to be just insufferable. And then not. she's amazing. <laughs> that whole season with the two of them. And, like, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but essentially Donna Tate, Donna, Donna Tate, Donna Noble gets essentially the Dark Phoenix treatment <laughs> from the X-Men comics. That's what happens. She basically becomes omnipotent, and it's incredible. Catherine Tate acts the shit out of it. The Turn Left episode is iconic, and I was just reading something that it very nearly didn't happen. It was a filler episode that they did because they didn't have the budget to do something else they wanted um but she took what makes her amazing is she had a terrible start and she turned it around to become so beloved tragic but also in a way that you still feel really good for donna in the end i believe correct me if i'm wrong she's coming back as part of correct yes correct and and she's really important to it too apparently Yeah. Yeah. So I'm delighted that she's returning. I think she's an amazing character. The the breadth and depth of that character, I would argue, is probably greater than just about any of the other companions, at least from Modern Who. Um, And so I'm delighted that she's not just here, but she's in the final four. So with that being said, we have our final four. We're going to take another quick break to see if we can steal a TARDIS. We'll be right back after these messages. And we are back with the final four of our best Doctor Who companion debate. At this point in the show, I always like to take a step back and see if the final four matches up with what I figured. We have three number one seeds and one two seed in the mix. I do think that Sarah Jane, the two seed, was probably undervalued. Uh, I think, again, we said that New Who skews very strong with this. I think the other one seed was, who was it? Does anybody know? Amy. Yeah, um, not that not that she's being overvalued because I don't think that's true at all. If anything, I think of these, Jack is the one who maybe was a little bit overvalued. Yeah, but Sarah definitely deserves to be in here. Um, and obviously Rose is uh, unimpeachable. So with that being said, we are going to jump right in. I'm going to go around the horn. First vote, it's Rose Tyler versus Sarah Jane Smith. I'm going to start with Bob. Where do you vote him? Rose. Kara. I'm going to Sarah Jane. Michael. Sarah Jane. Ooh, this is tough, and I was not expecting to make this decision. So I'm going to go back to something that was discussed last round, where we've said that Rose is the uh, measuring stick that all modern companions are compared to. But I think then Kara correctly said Sarah Jane is the measuring stick all companions are compared to, which I think is very important. Also, I do think it is completely fair to have a classic who and a new who here. I know that people love Rose Tyler and I love her too, but if I'm being honest, she's not one of my top two new who ones. It, it's Amy and it's Donna for me. So I'm actually going to give it to Sarah Jane. I am. I'm get, So that means it's three for Sarah Jane, one for Rose. Bob, do you have anything to say with Rose going out? Is Amy Pilot here right now? Because they need her. Here's the Amy Pilot to walk off this podcast. What the fuck just happened? Are we fucking kidding right now? If there's someone to lose to, it's called payback. Yeah, if there's someone to lose to, that is that is the truth of it. Um, and and he hey. Rose is the ultimate number one. She got the most votes. And when I said this to people, I was like, oh, the answer is obviously Rose. But I think that's a knee-jerk reaction. It's not, in fact, based on 
real logic and argument. Do you still disagree? I disagree. When you, I, she's so important to new who but i think she's important to who overall it's so interesting in that first series that russell t davies took her as the companion and made and went with that whole bad wolf storyline and really incorporated her as not just the companion but such a critical and pivotal piece of just the overall fabric and narrative of the series she's so important to that she spans two different doctors she has that really incredible chemistry and relationship with Doctor Who, unlike a relationship that we've had with any other companion and doctor situation where they're pretty much in a romance by the end, right? And their you know, parting ways um, is such a heartbreaking thing for them in the end. She has so much, she brings so much emotional gravity to the show overall. And I get that Sarah Jane has those pieces too, but I don't, there were really emotional and important parts of the original in old who right but i don't know as though that they were operating at that level that that original few series were with rose tyler to get us to a point where we are just heartbroken and weeping in the end for what happened between those two characters i I just find her so important and interesting to the whole series overall and i get that sarah jane is very important as well i'm not ultimately going to be mad if sarah jane does go forward here but I, i gosh she's more than just the companion. There's so much more, there's so many more important aspects of what she did for the series. And I, am I, go ahead, Carrie. No, please. I I think part of it, like I understand like the emotion that comes in with Rose is a, is just a matter of how storytelling, especially in doctor who changes from the times that these are both made in. Like you just don't have that type of storytelling in those older who episodes. But I think other than that, Everything you said, you could either say Rose or Sarah Jane, and it could be valid as far as chemistry with the doctor there on screen with the importance of that, you know, how they elevated that role and the, you know, their their part in the Hooniverse. And that's what makes this very difficult. Well, it didn't seem difficult for all of you when you all just voted Sarah Jane and moved (laughs) on. It it, it is difficult. It is difficult. And I will also, didn't Rose's arc end with Rose ending up in a different universe with another version of 10th? Of the 10th Doctor? Is that not how it ends? Yeah, I believe that's accurate. She's definitely in a pocket universe elsewhere. And, like, she comes back for the 50th to to bring more of the Bad Wolf energy into it. The the 50th anniversary special as well, which she's incredible in. Billy Piper. Let's talk about Billy Piper for a second. Just real quick, right? She was a... She would... Nobody expected her to be anything. She was a singer. She had a... She had a, um, a singing career. She came in and fucking nailed this and the world fell in love with her as an actress. And my God, I love Billy Piper. No, it's true. I just... I think, Bob, what if, in your mind, we've created a pocket dimension where Rose did make the final two? All right. And <laughs> Yep, there's a pocket dimension in which Rose Tyler is advancing into the final two, but in this dimension, it is Sarah Jane Smith. Are you willing to put uh, Donna in that pocket dimension when we get there? <laughs> Well, let's see what happens. It's Donna Noble versus Captain Jack Harkness. I'm going to go backwards order. Michael, where are you voting on this one? Donna. Kara, where are you voting? Donna. Bob, where are you voting? Captain Jack. Are you voting <laughs> Captain Jack just to be dissatisfied? Yes. Because I, I cherish that. The posture says yes. There's a small amount of spite store here um, in this answer. Um, I understand the Donna thing very much. And I understand why some people love her. But I think she can be divisive, divisive, however you want to pronounce that word, um, amongst the fandom in general, because of the reasons you said. I did still think that there was some annoying aspects to her. That actual season overall feels kind of like almost a pocket season to me a little bit like it for some reason there's just something about it that seems just off to the left like as though we took a sidebar we spent some time with donna and now we're back to the real meat and potatoes of the doctor who storyline i know that that's completely crazy and that's not the that's not the case it's just how it feels to me i just never got the donna thing at the same level that other people Mm do i do love Catherine tate i think she's great um there's just she just never resonated or hit with me overall so i mean yes i'm probably going to say let's 
I mean, you're already going to outvote me, I'm sure. But so I'll stick with Jack just to represent the LGBTQ um, representation on this bracket. So. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And even if it was strictly a spite vote, I respect it. You know, I do. So uh, I am voting for Donna here uh, for all the reasons I said in the last round, which gives us a final two of Rose. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Eric's caught in the pocket universe. <laughs> wow. I'm in the pocket universe. I, I allow it. <laughs> I allow it. <laughs> Um, Sarah Jane Smith versus Donna Noble. I'm going to start right in the middle with Bob. Two choices you didn't want. Pick the one. <laughs> Which one you want me to pick, guys? <laughs> um, pick canine. Whichever one you want. I will take, um, let's see. I'm going to go with Sarah Jane in this uh, pairing. All right. Uh, Kara, where are you? I, I'm ultimately going to go with Sarah Jane. But I wanted to say this about Donna. And one of the reasons that she is so um, endeared to me is that when, like, I get Donna's first episode was very, you know, she's very abrasive, but I think it's the most honest reaction of a human being um, encountering the doctor in their regular, as a regular everyday life, but she's like getting married. Some weirdo in a suit drops out of space and is just like, all these things are happening and she's just screaming like, what's happening? Who are you? I don't try. I don't want to be your mate. Like just over the top. And I think that's honestly how any of us would probably react. Um, and I like that Catherine Tate brought that to the character, um, especially in the beginning. And then as she gets used to the, the universe and, you know, she kind of grows from there. But again, um, Sarah Jane Smith is, is the companion. All other companions are measured against. And if that doesn't make you number one, I don't know what does. Michael. And I, like, I agree. I love, I, I could watch a Donna Noble series season over and over and over again and love every minute of it. The, the life that she brings to it, um, just Catherine Tate in general, I could watch her read the freaking phone book for God's sake. She's just so funny. Um, but in the end, like it goes back to that argument again. And I am a Sarah Jane Smith stand. And we talked about this even when we started doing this research for this kind of thing. I knew that it was, I wanted to do Sarah Jane all the way to the end. Um, which one do I prefer personally to watch? It's Donna Noble. Which one is the better companion and more important to who? It's Sarah Jane Smith. So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the best Doctor Who companion is Sarah Jane Smith. Do you agree? Do you think this decision is as confusing as that timeless child retcon? Tell us how you really feel by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Mastodon. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so you can hear about what new debates are coming soon, vote in open polls, and even decide which topics we tackle next. If you really enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to like and rate the episode of the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen on. I want to say thank you to my panel. I would gladly frolic through time and space with you any day. And thank you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where you can get even more exclusive content and get episodes a whole day early. We hope you have a good one. And remember, everyone is entitled to the wrong opinion. Yeah, it's cool. Both eyes are cool. Cool.